welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. Hey, Kingdom Culture family, so good to see you this morning. Welcome, welcome. It's Sunday. I hope you've had a good morning so far. I want to welcome our community and all those that are new with us, that are watching for the first time, wherever you're from, welcome. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, like it, comment in the comment thread, tell us where you're from, share it on Facebook or whatever social media platform you're on. It helps us spread the word. I believe God is going to speak to you this morning. So get ready. I believe God has a word for you. We are starting a new series this morning. It's a mini two-week series called Psalm 16. Psalm 16. There's some powerful verses in Psalm 16. We're going to hone in on one of them over the next two weeks. But I'm going to open this whole series off with reading the whole psalm. It's 11 verses, so track with me. Read along with me. You'll see it on the screen. Psalm 16, this is written by David, okay? David, he was one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had. David is writing this psalm. Psalm 16, verse one. Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. In other words, you're a protector. You're a defender. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me, verse 8. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Key verse. Verse number 9. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me joy, the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Those are the 11 verses in Psalm 16. I want to highlight one specifically in just a few moments, but to understand where we're going with this series and to understand the importance of this chapter, we need to understand how the the inscription that literally is a banner over this chapter. And what I mean by that is there's a word called mishtam in the Hebrew. And this whole chapter is called a mishtam of David, okay? And in the Hebrew, this word mishtam, which is the inscription over this chapter, which which really shows us uh, and gives us definition as to why this chapter is so important. This word uh, mishtam in the Hebrew is the word katam, and it actually means stained. It means to cut into or to be engraved, 
It means that what's about to be spoken is so important that it is worthy of being engraved into our very minds. It is worthy of being chiseled in stone, so to speak. Scholars call this chapter the golden poem, the golden poem or the golden Psalms, or even it can be broken down as the golden secret, okay? Very, very important. Another way to describe it is a permanent writing, precious, something that's hidden, a jewel. My favorite definition, though, of what this mishtam of David means and the importance of it is engraved in gold, engraved in gold. It's something so important that it should be engraved in gold. In other words, pay attention. Pay attention to the the structure, pay attention to the outcome or the overflow of what this verse or what this chapter has the ability to do in and through our lives. Now, I'm going to be breaking this other part of the significance of the gold down next week, okay? So you're going to want to see next week's message. Powerful, powerful message. And I believe it's going to actually continue breaking down what we're starting to break down uh, this morning for this uh, beginning of this series. Now, I gotta say this because the, the, the message or me going into Psalm 16 was inspired by a conversation I had actually just a few weeks ago um, from somebody that had been in a message that I had spoken regarding Psalm 16 and it kind of just re-brought, it kind of brought some stuff back to the surface of me going back to Psalm 16, remembering, going through some of my experiences. And and in fact, I had two dreams years ago in the last, I'd say decade, two very significant dreams, probably in the last decade or so, maybe even a little bit longer, where this verse was um, sort of the focus of the dream. I remember one dream, without going into all the details, I was up against some intimidating circumstances I was in a situation and an environment where I needed boldness. I needed power. I needed some sort of demonstration of the Spirit of God. And I remember in the dream, I was actually reciting this reference. Now, I woke up, I didn't even know the reference. I was saying in the dream, Psalm 16, 8, Psalm 16, 8. I, re- I woke up not even knowing what Psalm 16, 8 was, but knowing that whatever it was that I was up against, this intimidating situation, Psalm 16.8 would be a, a catalyst or something very important for me to understand, to move through and to overcome with boldness and confidence. And I remember about uh, years later, maybe about five, six years later, I had another dream where I woke up reciting this verse. I woke up with it on my mind. I woke up actually reciting it even out loud, the verse. It was just in my spirit from the dream. I don't remember the dream that I had, but I woke up from the dream reciting this verse. And this verse has been just a powerful uh, verse over the years in my life that I, I believe I always come back to and it's been something that's God, that like, almost like it's like God's imprinted it, like I just defined for you as a mishtam of David. God's engraved it. He's etched it. He's chiseled it in the stone of my heart or in the gold of my heart, so to speak. And like I said, I'm going to break down what we're talking about when we talk about gold next uh, next week, next Sunday. So tune in for that. It's going to be a powerful, a powerful message. But this is why I was inspired to go back to it. I had a conversation. I went back. 
went back through an older message that I had written about this years ago because I first preached on this scripture probably like I'd say a little over a decade ago, maybe somewhere in that space uh, when I first had my first uh, encounter with this verse referencing Psalm 16.8. And then over the years and maybe a couple other times I've referenced this verse, but I really feel for this season, it's a now word for us. Amongst other words that God is speaking to us, this is a very powerful uh, I don't want to say tool because it's not just a tool, but powerful message for this moment, for this season that we are in. Now, let me just highlight the verse that we're going to be breaking down in a few moments, Psalm 16, verse 8. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. It says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. Everyone say right hand right hand, because he is at my right hand, I will not be, or I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. Some translations would say, I shall not be shaken, or I will not be shaken. It says here, I shall not be moved. Now let me just read it out of the Passion Translation to give a little bit of a different spin on it for you. It says in the Passion Translation, uh, chapter 16, verse eight, because you are close to me, and always available, I love that, always available. 24 hour a day, on tap, God, you're always available, you're always near, you're always around. Because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken. Man, I love that. My confidence will never be shaken, for I, have ex for I experience your wrap around presence every morning. If you're taking notes today, write this down. My message title is The Reset. The Reset. Finding stability again. I pray that from this message, God would bring a new sense of stability to your walk with Him in this season. A new sense of stability as a result of your walk with him in your life, in the areas that maybe you're struggling with right now, career, family, relationships, financially, whatever the case may be, my prayer is that a new sense of stability will come into your life because of the reset that's going to happen. Re-set, that's gonna happen in and through your life this morning. This probably has been the number one word that you've heard, whether you believe in God or not, on the news, uh, you know, in the church, on the news, everywhere, probably, you know, across, around the world right now, people keep saying it like this, we are in a reset moment right now in life. God, or whether you believe in God or not, maybe you don't call it, say God, life is being reset. We're, we're going back to things that really matter in life. You know, this COVID-19 pandemic has hit the reset button on so many things, on our business models, on our finances, on our families, our relationships. You know, it's hit the reset button on what's important. It's allowed us to start again, things that maybe we stopped a long time ago. The reset button has been pushed. I know that if you are a believer in Jesus and you've been in the church for some period of time, you've probably heard it said uh, again, over and over again, that we are in a season of the reset. God is truly hitting the reset button in this season. And I wanna propose, I wanna propose to us this morning that God wants us to reset him before us in this season, just as the psalmist said, just as David said, 
I have set the Lord, because I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved, verse eight. I believe that God is provoking us this morning to reset him in the right position of our lives. Three things that pop out in this verse to me, you're gonna see them on the screen. Three things that pop out in this verse to me. Number one is to set, to set. What does it mean to set? What does it mean to stand? And what does it mean to stay? These are the three things that I believe we wanna break down this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to uh, shed light on this morning is understanding what it means to set, what it means to stand, and what it means to stay based upon these, uh, this verse in verse eight. So number one, write this down, to set. What does it mean to set before me uh, the Lord, God himself, Jesus as king? What does it mean to set Jesus before me? Uh, verse eight, like I said, it says, I have set the Lord. So just stop there. I have set the Lord. What does it mean? The word set, to set, means to agree with or to be like or to resemble. It means to behave like as a result of visibly perceiving who he is. And, and the word before me, of course, it's kind of obvious. It means to be in front of or in the sight of, to have an awareness that God's sight is always upon me, to have an awareness that God is always looking down on me, looking uh, looking at the innermost parts of my life. When I set God before me, always before me, to set God always before me is to realize that his eyes are upon me and therefore I'm putting him into the forefront of my focus. That's what it means to set him and to, to put him in the forefront of my focus so much so that I resemble the very thing that I see. Because we, we've heard it said like this before, I've even preached it, that what we behold in life, we become. What we focus on, we forge into our, 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 our own lives. It's forged. Whatever we're focusing on right now, we're empowering. And whatever we're empowering is being forged into our life that will end up looking like something for our future. Okay, so to set God before us. Now, let me just give some scholarly definition to this, okay, to break it down. I've, uh, there's some amazing, amazing commentary out there, amazing uh, descriptions out there of what this really means um, and, and helping us give language to how this applies to our everyday. And I love what one scholar writes. He says this, to set God before us is nothing else than to keep all of our senses bound and captive that they may not run out and go astray after any other object. It's like an obsession. It is a, is a possession of sorts where I'm so focused and so fixed on putting him at the forefront of my focus because I have an awareness that his sights are on me that no other objects have my affection. That there's no distractions pulling me away. This is the kind of focus God wants for us. Listen, God doesn't just want you to go to church. God doesn't just want you to watch an online message like this. God has called you to be the church, but to be an effective part of the church, I'm speaking globally, there, I, I believe that you have to know who you are 
identified by him. And the only way to do that is to understand his value, his heart, his passion for you. And when you do, I believe it sets our response up the way that he wants it to be. In other words, we are able to be like David in this moment and to set him before us, to respond because we understand his love for us through what Jesus did on the cross. When we understand that we are first love, we naturally wanna give love back. First John says, you were first loved. Because you were first loved, you can love. You cannot love God if he did not first love you. He chose you before the foundation of the world began. And from that revelation, it gives us an awareness that God is always near, that he's always looking at us, that he's always present and, and available. I love what the Passion Translation, he's always available. From that place, it gives us motivation to put him in the rightful place of our lives. I hope you're tracking with me here. Another, another way of describing it could be like this. The meaning of what David is saying here is that he kept his mind so intently fixed upon the providence of God as to be fully persuaded that whenever any difficulty or distress would come against him, God would always be the hand that assisted him. Okay, I've set the Lord before me by night as well as by day in my private meditations as well as my public professions. I have regarded myself always as in the presence of God. That's a great way of looking at what David is saying here. I regard myself. I'm always in the presence of God. To set him before me is to acknowledge that I'm always in that space. I'm always living in that grace of God 24 hours a day. I'm always in that, that space. I love what Colossians, Paul says it in Colossians chapter three, verse two. He said this, he said, set your mind, set your mind. There's that word again, set. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. He said, set your mind, set your mind. He, he, it literally means this, Get a, let your personal opinion and your personal perspectives of who God is flesh themselves out in action, in action. It affects your behavior. When you set your mind on things above where Christ is seated, that affects your outcomes. It affects your behavior. And this is what David is saying, that I want to set the Lord. I'm not shaken. I'm not moved if I set the Lord always before me. I'm fixing my attention on him. I'm putting him in his rightful place in my life. This word for set, even in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, uh, the root word of this actually is an inner perspective or insight that shows itself in corresponding outward behavior. It's an inner outlook that regulates outer behavior. And this actually is the root of the English term diaphragm, which of course regulates breathing. I believe if we're gonna live the life that we are called to live and, 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 and live the, the fullness of the life we're called to live, I believe we have to set things right in our life. If we want a regulated spiritual breathing pattern, I'm speaking metaphorically here, that we need to set, like Colossians 3 verse 2, uh, set our mind on things above. The same thing that David is saying in Psalm 68. I set the Lord always before me. I hope this is hitting you. I hope this is under, I hope you're understanding this. 
I think practically speaking, when we think about how this plays out in our life, what does it mean to continually set practically? You know, what? let me ask you a question. What is occupying your thoughts the most in this season? What, what do you wake up thinking about? That's usually what you've set your mind on, what you've fixed your focus on, whatever you think about the most. You, if you want to know if you've set the Lord always before you, ask yourself the question, what's occupying the space between my ears? What's occupying my mind space the most during the day? You know, I, I think about this word every day that I've shared over and over again with, with our community on this YouTube platform, on social media. I think about the three things that God spoke to me in the end of December about this year, you're gonna lose your fear. In 20, there is plenty. And in this season, you're gonna find your reason. I think of those things every day because God spoke to me in the beginning of the year and said, Sean, I want you as a directive, I want you to pray through these things, about these things every day. I want these to be something in the forefront of your focus. And I'm not, I'm not obsessed with just the word itself. I'm, obs- I'm obsessed with the word, capital W, Jesus, who is, he's the word made flesh, John 1 verse 14. I'm obsessed with him, but because I'm obsessed with Jesus and who he is, what he speaks to me is a part of my focus. I want to manifest the things that he's communicated to me. And so I think about these things frequently. I've set these things before me as I set him every day before my perspective. I've set these things and I'm wrestling with these things day in and day out to see them come to pass. And I have to say, I've already seen so much of the fruit as a result of wrestling these things out in my personal life in 2020 already. And we're like, 10 months into this year already, which has been crazy. Seven months of it have been on some sort of a lockdown. Um, But we've been seeing amazing things because we've set these things before us. It's affected and directed our prayer life, where we're praying, how we're praying, how we're positioning ourselves. And that's one of the ways that we set God before us. We set his promises before us. We set the things that he's spoken over us before us, his word before us. Because as we do those things, it's as we are, it's, it's like we are setting him because you cannot separate his promises from him. He is, he, he, like the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom, the kingdom. You can't have a kingdom without a king. The word king is in the word kingdom. So as you seek the kingdom, guess what? You're seeking the king himself because there would be no kingdom without a king. And so as we seek out the things that God's promised us, it's also as though we are seeking out him. Now, obviously there's a balance. People always say, well, you don't just seek the hand of God, seek the face of God. But see, it's all in your revelation of who God is. If I'm all just about God giving me what I want him to give me, it's a very different story. No, I want God to give me what he's promised he's gonna give me because as I wrestle and position myself to live those promises out, I am developing a deeper relationship with God. I'm seeing the fruit of relationship as a result of holding strong and believing that what God has said will come to pass. I think as we do this every day, it's as though we are setting God before us in our focus. I love it, seeing my kids in this season. 
uh, um, setting God before them in their focus, in their playtime, in the morning and at night, seeing God do amazing things in and through my kids. My son, Ezekiel, he's eight years old now, and I, I know I've shared about him and other my, my other kids during this pandemic season and things that have gone on in their own spiritual life. It's amazing. But just recently, my son woke up uh, on his own initiative, didn't it wasn't like I facilitated a moment. We weren't praying together. He woke me up. He woke me up and Michelle up in the morning, early morning, came into our bedroom crying, saying, God, Jesus is so good. He said out of his mouth, he said, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. This is an eight-year-old. He woke me up saying that, you guys. Like, I was like, what? You can't be bad when your kid wakes you up out of a dead sleep to tell you that. He had woken up and he was bawling his eyes out, worshiping Jesus. He said he started singing songs in the morning, singing songs to Jesus in the morning, fell onto his knees, started worshiping Jesus, started crying. And then from that encounter, came into my bedroom, woke us up and said, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. And he was telling us about his encounter that he was having. This is his own journey, you guys. We didn't facilitate this for him. We didn't, we didn't, we weren't praying. It was by himself. And I'm seeing that as a result of this, like he's waking up, setting Jesus before him every day. He's doing this. We see the fruit of it. Then I hear a story just a week later where one of his friends, they were playing outside. One of his friends got hurt and he was crying. And and, and Ezekiel said to him, hey, I can pray for you. I can pray for you. He lays hands on the kid and prays for this kid who was crying. I mean, this to me is an example of what it looks like when you've set him before you. The more that you connect with what God is doing in your everyday, let me just tell you, the stronger that you become. And when you become strong, guess what? You become stable. You shall not be moved. Number two, we talked about breaking down what it means to set him, but now we wanna talk about what it means to to stand. This is another part of the verse that we're drawing from the verse. Now, let's read it again, Psalm 68. I've set the Lord always before me. We broke that down a little bit. Because he is at my right hand because he is at my right hand. We stand in strength, we stand strong because he is at my right hand. The right hand, let me just speak metaphorically, sorry to all you lefties out there, but in scripture, the right hand is is often used to denote or describe strength, okay? It describes honor, it describes dignity in the scripture. There, There are parts of the body and colors and numbers and objects that represent symbolically um, spiritual revelation or spiritual truth to us, okay? And so one of, the, one of the, the symbols of strength in the scripture, especially the Old Testament, and you can read it all throughout the Old Testament, right hand is a symbol of strength. And so when David says, because he is at my right hand, he's talking about an ability to stay strong and stand in a time or in a season where I'm being tempted to be shaken or I'm being tempted to slip up or I'm being tempted to fall. I want to, to be strong and stand and that's gonna happen because he is at my right hand, okay? And you can read about it. I mean, you can read it. Let me just break it down though first. This, this word right hand comes from a Hebrew word that, that means uh, a strength, or coming from the more dexterous part of the body, okay? 
as opposed to the left hand, which symbolizes weakness. Like once again, sorry for all you lefties out there. I'm not saying that if you're a lefty, you're weak. I'm just saying symbolically, scripturally speaking, the right hand represents strength. We see it uh, in Psalms 109 verse 31. He shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him. Psalms 110 verse 5. You can read Psalms 121 verse 5. You see over and over again, the right hand speaks of strength. The right hand speaks of strength. The right hand is regarded as the post of honor and dignity, as I kind of already mentioned. It's also uh, referred to as a position or a defense of protection in Scripture, to save, to protect. Like I said in Psalms 109, verse 31, he shall stand at the right hand of the poor to save him. To have one at our right hand is to have one near us who can defend us. Have one near us who can defend us. That's why we see even in the New Testament when Jesus says, or John the Baptist says, behold, the kingdom of heaven is at what? Hand. This this references near. So when he says at my right hand, he's close. He's always around. Like in the Passion Translation, he's always available. He's in close proximity. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 10, uh, I think verse six and seven and eight. The kingdom of heaven is at hand or is near, it means at grasp, is close by, okay? And that was, of course, the picture of Jesus being the doorway to the kingdom. So we, we, we have to understand the symbol, the symbolism used here when David is uh, writing this, this psalm because he is at my right hand. Now, I want you to think of it uh, as a picture for a second. Like I talked about the post of honor, dignity, defense, protection is what the right hand represents, it means, you know, strength, to stand in strength, stand strong. I want you to close your eyes and think of it like a picture. If you were to take your right hand, because David says, because he is at my right hand. If you were to take your right hand and you were to attach or to, uh, to grab a hold of Jesus's right hand, what would that mean for you if you were walking? Imagine if Jesus is leading you, okay? If he's leading you, if he's leading, if he's the one leading you, not, you're not leading you, and you're holding Jesus's right hand, guess what? If he's leading you, you're gonna be walking blind and backwards. You're not gonna be seeing where you're going. You're not gonna, you're not gonna be knowing what's coming next. You're gonna be trusting him and you're gonna be walking backwards. Well, I think this is a perfect picture of kingdom. When your right hand joins his right hand of strength and he's leading you, you're gonna walk blind and you're gonna walk backwards. I've said it over and over again in the last season uh, of 2019 that this next chapter of life would look like, if there was a brand over our, our season as a community and even just globally in the body of Christ, it would be this concept of faith is not a walk in the park, but a walk in the dark. Faith looks like walking in the dark. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. What an amazing picture. My right hand joins his right hand, and he's leading us. And we're walking backwards, blindly. It feels like dark. We don't know where we're going, but we're trusting him every step of the way. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't know where we're going, but we know we're following Jesus. As long as we keep in step with him, trusting him, making sure he's at our right hand, leading us, 
will walk right into the place that God has called us to walk. I hope that was a, a good picture for you. I want you to take that and, and meditate on that this week because I really feel so many of us right now feel like we're walking around in the dark. We're walking backwards. It's kind of like, what's, that's what kingdom living is. The kingdom is, is upside down. You can re, just read the scripture. I mean, to be first, we have to be last. To go higher, we have to go lower. If we want to be honored, we have to go lower in humility. You know, to receive, we have to give. Everything kind of, is, kind of feels backwards, right? It's the foolish things of, of God that shame the wise or the foolish things of man that, that, that shame the wise. The foolish things that, that feel foolish often are actually God's wisdom. I and mean, that's, go- that's the scandal of the gospel. The, the, the G- Jesus dying on a cross and resurrecting is foolishness to logic. It's foolishness to man. And God has chosen the foolish things of man to shame the wise. That's the scripture. So it feels like things are flipped on its head when it comes to kingdom living. It's totally backwards. And, and this is the kind of life we're called to live and walk with Jesus, blind in a good way and backwards, blind to the things that would stop us from walking in faith. And, and, but, but our heart, our heart eyes are open to see what he sees and walk like he walks. I believe that this is a season not a walk in the park, it's a walk in the dark. And that's a brand over our season. Let me break this down in a quote that I wrote down for you to kind of help us see these three points, to set, to stand, and to stay. I'm gonna move into my next point in a second. But write this down. What you focus on determines your strength and your strength determines your stability. What you focus on determines your strength and your strength determines your stability. So what you set your mind on determines your ability to stand. And when you can stand, it determines your stability. Leading me into my next point, the third point, to stay, which is the last part of that verse that says, and I shall not be moved. In other words, I'm going to remain stable. As a result of standing, being near, walking with Jesus, standing strong, I shall not be moved. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay put. I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be slipped up. Um, the, the word, if you break it down for shall not be moved or shaken in some translations, literally means to slip up or to fall. I shall not fall. I shall not slip. I shall not shake. I shall not be cast out. It means I shall be safe. I shall not be disturbed by fear. I shall be protected from those that are coming against me or the forces or the elements or the opposition that's coming against me. The the, the language here is that of one who has confidence in God in time of great opposition, great trials, great tests. Man, I can't say it over, I can't say it enough, honestly, that all of us, go through seasons of great tests, trials. We go through seasons of fear, knocking at our door every little decision, every step of the way. We go through seasons where it feels totally dark. It feels totally impossible. And in these seasons, this is where God wants to stabilize you. God wants to take your right hand and lead you backwards. He wants to take your right hand and lead you because backwards in the kingdom is actually forwards in life backwards in the kingdom. What feels backwards 
often actually is forwards in, in Jesus's perspective. And so he wants us to grab his right hand, our right hand to his, as we've set him before us, standing strong, and that always will lead us into stability. I know that if Jesus is leading me, if he's leading you, you'll walk in stability in and through your life. And so let me go over it again as we uh, break down these three components of this verse. To set, we have to set, to stand, and to stay. To set, to stand, and to stay. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. My prayer is that you would find a greater sense of stability in this season as you reset him into the forefront of your focus because he is before you, because he's close beside you. As a result, you'll find a strength that will allow you to find a new sense of stability in this season. And I wanted to say this, that this verse in Psalm 16, 8 actually is a prophecy. Now, often in some of, many of the Psalms, what seems like just somebody writing thoughts seems like somebody writing just what they're going through actually is a foreshadowing of a future event, a prophecy of the future. And often, it's actually a prophecy of the coming, in this context, the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. This is actually a prophecy. And Peter references it in Acts chapter two. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes in power and the church as we know it is born. 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus in one day, in one moment. And he's up there speaking. He, see, he opens it up saying, these people aren't as drunk, aren't drunk as you think they are. This is what the prophet Joel spoke. And he goes on to this whole message of breaking things down, what's happening. And he's referencing in, in Acts chapter two, verse 22 to 30, it says this in Acts, it says, King David said this about him about Jesus, okay, the coming Messiah, people of Israel. This is what Peter's now saying. He's referencing, okay, what David said in Psalm 16, 8, and actually in Psalms, all of Psalm 16. But it says here, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Verse 23, but God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed, with the help of lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and killed him, but God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And then he references the verse, or the verses. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with joy of your presence. He's literally referencing, he's reciting Psalm 16 in this moment, referencing the fact that David prophesied about a future Messiah that would not rot in the grave. He would die but the Holy One, the Father, would not allow his son to rot in the grave. In other words, that his son would resurrect. And my prayer for you in this season, as a prophetic encouragement for you, is that in this next season, you would continue to find new life. You continue to find new strength, a new stride, a new sense of stability in your life as you continue to set him 
before you in all of your ways because God has, there's always a resurrection on the other side of death. Every time you feel like you're going through it, guess what? There is hope and there's a resurrection around the corner. I wanna pray for you. God, I pray that in this season, you'd help us to stabilize what feels unstable in Jesus' name. God, I pray for those that are watching where they feel like everything is just flipped on its head. It feels backwards. I pray that, God, there would be a rest in the reality and the truth that sometimes what is the most kingdom is what feels the most backwards, that they would be uh, have a new sense of peace that God is, that you're guiding them in this season, that they would literally live out joy, the joy that comes from setting you before us and because you're at our right hand, we'll not, we'll not be moved. And the joy that comes from that, the joy that comes from this mishtam of David that, that is to be engraved on the very soul of our life, that this psalm would literally manifest itself through our lives in a whole new way to show strength for our spiritual life, but everything else that our life touches in this season moving forward in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in, Kingdom Culture. We love you. I hope this message impacted your life and that you would join us for week two of our Psalm 16 series. You're not gonna wanna miss next week. Next week, I'm gonna be talking about the things that stop us, that come against us from setting him before us. So tune in next week. We'll see you next Sunday, Kingdom Culture. Amen. I really hope that ministered to you this morning and my prayer ultimately in this is if you're watching with us and you don't know Jesus in relationship, you don't know what would happen to you, I just believe that when you find Jesus and when you open your life to Jesus, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. You're finding Mr. Hope himself. Pray that God would give that to you today. Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved, that you will be transformed, that you will be a new person inside and out. And I wanna pray with you if that's you and you wanna say yes and let him in today, just let us know. Email prayerkingdomculture.ca. Let us know you've made this decision, but I wanna pray with you today. If that's you, just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I want you in my life. I surrender to you today. I receive your forgiveness. I wanna find new hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that and you meant it genuinely, I wanna encourage you, like I said, to email the, the email on the screen. We wanna give you some resources, pray with you, be a part of your journey as you move forward developing relationship with God. Kingdom Culture, see you next time.